And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT, the aftermath. As I said, Monday... After the Las Vegas Review-Journal sports page says Sunday nightmare. Turnovers, miscues allow the Chiefs to take first place from the Raiders. 41-14. to Welcome to the show. Welcome to Monday as we're brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. Uh, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, 64 or 65 taverns here in Vegas. They own the Stratosphere, Arizona Charlie's, the Laughlin Entertainment Center, We are fueled by PTs every show as we jump out of the gate on a Monday on a full reaction day-to-day. I clear out Mondays now because a lot's going on, a lot's at stake. The last couple of Monday shows have been very difficult for obvious reasons, what happened in this community, players getting cut. So Mondays have been really difficult. This is a Monday loss, similar to the giant loss, but I think this was a lot worse because the Raiders got annihilated annihilated at home on national television in a big spot in the division for sole possession of first place. So I did this show last night. I did the post-game show. It got chippy. It got really chippy last night. Uh, The fans who were calling in who were upset about it, understandably so. And what we're going to do is we're going to do this show today, Monday. If you want to react all week, we can. This is an actual, you can't burn the tape on this one. You know, you play a team that you're only going to play once every four years. You burn the tape when you get beat. When you still have to play Kansas City later on this season with everything should be on the line. Everything should be on the line if the Raiders can pull out of this tailspin. If the Raiders can decide to pull out of this Piper Cub nosedive tailspin and get out of this thing, then the games late in the year with Kansas City and the Chargers and Denver are going to mean something. And I think after the 5-2 and two start, everybody, everybody thought that games would matter late in the season. The only way games won't matter late in the season, if this team just crashes and just starts losing every game and they don't get a win here. Uh, and that is probably not going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. They're a better team than that. But injuries are mounting, as always. Guys are not coming back from injuries for whatever reason as they're trying to rehab through them. And the team is playing poorly. And getting outcoached and outplayed. They were dominated in all three phases of the game for a team that was struggling all year long. And what I feared, what we feared last week, was that Kansas City would get healthy against the Raiders and be explosive. And I, I think about, I was talking to Bobby who runs the show before the show about this. I think probably one in every five or maybe two in every ten callers thought that. Like I, I know people thought the Raiders could lose the game. I did. You could lose 2017. You could lose 27-24. But there weren't many people calling in saying, watch out. Kansas City could blow them out 41-14. to I was here all week. I don't remember one person doing that. So we're kind of all in the same boat. We're all in shock today about what happened yesterday and why it happened. And that's what I think we need to do today. We need to figure out what's going on. We need to figure out what's going on with the offense, the defense, special teams, coaching, all of that, which is really what you do on a local sports show. That's what you do on a flagship station. You show respect. You don't make it personal. You don't take cheap shots at anybody. That's not allowed on this show. It's trash. 
All right, we're the flagship of the Las Vegas Raiders. We have a partnership with them. They're our team. We're all pissed off. We all want to win. A lot's at stake for a lot of different people. Jobs, everything. But I'll tell you this. I told one of the people in the building, I'm in the studio today, that if you, if you come out of Cincinnati 6-4, and four, okay, if you come out of Cincinnati 6-4, and four, worst case scenario is after 10 games in the season, you're one game out of first place in the division. And you're right there. You're right there with the Kansas City game later in the year. That is the best-case scenario. The problem is we are stacking worst-case scenarios every week. Worst-case scenarios with car accidents, social media with guns, uh, players. Now, uh, what's wrong with Vegas? Is Vegas the problem? All things that were never here. All things that are now here. And the national media is feasting on that once again. Told you it would happen. I'm an expert on this topic. I have a PhD on it. When the Raiders do well, everyone kisses their ass in the media, wants to get on the bandwagon. As soon as they start playing poorly, everybody goes into their drawer and gets their old script and just reads the script on how the Raiders are this and that and they collapse and all that, whatever it is. So that's where we are. That's where we are right now as we begin this week with Cincinnati coming in. 702-365-9200 is the number. 702, for those outside of Vegas, 365-9200. And we'll try to get to your passionate, respectful phone calls today. And uh, I'll jump into the sound bites, the highlights, and there weren't many highlights unless you're a Kansas City fan. And we'll dissect what's going to happen and go forward. And again, I'm not even thinking about Cincinnati today. Today's about the Kansas City loss, maybe into tomorrow. Then i got to get back to work and stack guests up who can break down Cincinnati and do what we think we do as good as anybody in the business. We will prepare you for the next game. Last week, I brought in the big guys. I brought in the ministers of defense. Why do you think I had Villapiano, Romanowski, Plunkett, Eric Allen on? I've been preparing for that week for a long time because I knew the severity of it. I knew Charles Woodson was coming in town. i got some fun Charles Woodson stories to share with everybody. Because it's my life, and I'm going to share some of those stories from time to time. Uh, The pregame show was about as special as anything I've ever seen, especially at Allegiant Stadium. And then the game just fell apart. The game just fell apart on national television with a lot of Kansas City fans in the building, and that was understandable. It was the first ever Chiefs game in Vegas with fans, and they were going to be there. I thought Raider fans were loud a couple of times in the game. I think the, the stadium was quiet for obvious reasons. The team wasn't playing well, and the fans were taken out of the game. But when the Raider fans had to get going and a couple of critical points in the game, you could hear how much louder they were than Kansas City. And it's supposed to be this way. But this is a bizarre, unique situation here. First year, Vegas, fans wanting to get in, paying any amount of money to see Marshmallow. $50,000 bottle service. No joke. I was down there with a guy who spent fifty. dollars thousand dollars on his seats and bottle service yeah true story so you you add all those elements in it's gonna be different i like vegas i like excitement i like glitter i like stars and celebrities and all that but i care more about football i really do i care more about winning the football game and yesterday the raiders got smoked they got smoked at home against a division rival now what bothers me the most about the loss I know from being behind the scenes how hard the organization has worked and the previous coaching staff, which has many of the current coaches here, on trying to reel back in Kansas City. Last year, 
as I was talking to Raider Mort on the drive-in, last season, I think the Raiders outplayed Kansas City, fact, not fiction, in seven out of eight quarters. Seven out of eight quarters, they outplayed Kansas City. And Kansas City was better than they were this year coming into this game. But with the snap of the finger, Kansas City got healthy. Kansas City played better. They were back to being explosive again. And they won the game in a blowout and deserved the win and deserved to get in first place because of the last couple of games, they got some breaks. They beat the Giants in a game they could have lost. Aaron Rodgers did not play for the Packers. Kansas City was shut out in the second half at home and still won the game. And then they got back to playing the Raiders, who they feast on. And that's, that's the focus of my monologue. So here I go. This team is nowhere near where they should be against the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City ran the same plays. They ran the same plays they always run. The same exact plays that they always run. The out and ups, the misdirection, which I talked about, talked about. Remember I tweeted out misdirection week? You know how they have Shark Week on Discovery Channel? When we play the Chiefs, it's misdirection week. Seen it on the field. I've seen it all the time. You start one play this way, it comes back the other way, and no one's there. How many times did that happen yesterday? Thank God he missed Tyreek Hill twice when he was wide open. What a high school quarterback from Bishop Gorman could have made those throws and hit Tyreek Hill for two more touchdowns. I mean, they could have got into the 60s if they hit Tyreek Hill the way he was open. And why is that? I don't think it's Gus Bradley. Okay, he had him lined up better. He had him lined up better. The line And the scheme is what they do, right? The Gus Bradley scheme is what's worked so far this year. They played well in some games. That scheme, because of Jonathan Abram, who should not be on the field when the Kansas City Chiefs play. Just let me get that out of the way. He should be deactivated when Kansas City plays. He should not be on the field. He's an absolute liability. He can't cover anybody. He can't cover anybody in the passing game deep. And I think he's a good kid. I think he's a hell of a tackler. He's got a lot of Raider in him, right? He's got a lot of Raider in him, but he can't cover. And Andy Reid and Biennemi know it. And all they do all week is say, find John Abram and just just go after him. Find him, isolate him. It's like basketball. Every once in a while, LeBron James got someone on him. It's a joke. Some some guy who's six foot two is trying to trying to body up LeBron James in the post. Done. Over. And that's what happens. So that's one thing. That the players on the Raiders are not good enough to stop the big three. Remember, I gave you the triangle. The triangle is Mahomes, Tyreek Hill. And obviously Travis Kelsey, the tight end. And the Raiders failed miserably guarding the triangle. Mahomes had five touchdowns. These guys played great. They carved up the Raiders. So the one thing that the Raiders had to do, one thing, was try to find a way to slow down that triangle, and they just slaughtered them. Slaughtered them. So I think Gus Bradley's accountable. I know he is. right? I think everybody, Coach Passaccia, very accountable guy. He can't go out and put a helmet on. They line the guys up. They practice. They show them countless hours of film of Tyreek Hill lining up in motion. So that's one thing. The other thing that bothers me more than anything, more than anything, is why does that offense look so much different than the Raider offense? Why is their pre-snap so much more spectacular than the Raiders? Why do they do jump passes? Why do they do, you know, these 
unbelievable trick plays? Why do they have misdirection and the Raiders don't? Why? I mean, we've seen this enough, haven't we? I mean, we know it. We've seen it. So how come the Raiders don't have these pop, flashy, motion, sprint, handoffs, all the stuff that Kansas City does? Because I was told that the organization and the, and the football operations, the football team, was trying to build their team, build the Raiders in something like that fashion and how to stop it. So I, I know why the Raiders can't stop it. I know that for a fact. They just can't. They don't have the players to match up against Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. They just don't have the players. So you better find some new players who can guard those two guys. We're going to be talking about this twice a year. But on offense, why did the Raiders come out so flat? Why, why were the Raiders non-explosive early? Why were the Raiders so vanilla? And the key, drum roll please, why didn't the Raiders play fast? There were times in the game where, I mean, it was a manageable, it was a manageable game. It was a manageable game. 17-7's a manageable game. And the Raiders get the ball, and like they hand it off up the middle, and then they all go in the huddle. And they're in the huddle for 35 seconds. And I'm saying to myself, why are they letting this inferior or average defense have rest? Set up? I mean, Kansas City had 30 seconds on almost every play just to set their safeties deep, get everybody a cup of coffee, a glass of water, and a massage, and just sit down in their base defense and go, oh, we're good. I caught my breath. Why weren't the Raiders sprinting to the ball, lining up, running no huddle, and trying to get Kansas City in mismatches? I have no idea. I did the postgame show on that. I got Hall of Famers texting me that. Where was the speed in the game? Where's the speed? That's all on Carr. Carr's the quarterback. He can call any play he wants at any time. He can call whatever he wants. He can change everything. And he's really good at that. He is. Carr is very good pre-snap. He's very good at looking at a defense. But there was no sense of urgency. How can you play Kansas City with no sense of urgency? How is that even possible? How are you not doing fake punts, right? Onside kicks, something explosive. How about kicking the ball, Coffin's corner inside the five, taking chances? How about Waller in motion all day? I mean, what is going on? You know they can do this. So I went home last night and I watched the game. Got home after the postgame show around 1045 and sat down and watched the game. And I took some notes. And this is part of the monologue as we open up the show here on Raider Nation Radio. I started to see the offensive line couldn't do anything. And it wasn't, it's not going to show up in the stats. I was speeding up and slowing down uh, on my TV what was happening last night. They were getting bull rushed, the offensive line, and blown up. They were getting thrown backwards on the snap, on the passing downs, just thrown. That wasn't meaning that these guys were going to sack Carr on every play. Carr had nowhere to go. He couldn't roll to the right because there was an edge rusher coming right around. He couldn't step up in the pocket because the front edge of the pocket, the interior three, was just getting pushed back. So Derek really had a difficult time setting his feet. He was, he was under duress a lot more than the stat sheet showed up. He was in a lot of duress there. And I don't know what to say on that because we know that Derek is not the quarterback outside the pocket, that he is inside the pocket 
And that gets exposed on national television when you're playing Patrick Mahomes. When you're watching a maestro, a brilliant all-time performer outside the pocket, you don't want to look at your quarterback, no matter who you are. Forget about Derek. You can be Daniel Jones. You can be anybody. But you don't want to compare Patrick Mahomes under duress to your quarterback wherever you're listening because it's not going to look good. So I said on the pregame show, Derek Carr's career is going to be defined right now on how he does against Mahomes and Justin Herbert, period. No sugarcoating, right? You call me a shill. You think I'm home home team guy all the time. No, I want the team to win every game, every quarter. But I am telling you this. Derek Carr, fortunately, is a very, very good quarterback. And he is going to have to play two younger quarterbacks, younger quarterbacks who are better than him outside the pocket, and he's going to have to play him four times a year. So whenever it happens, it's going to be magnified that Derek's going to have to play better in those games. And the reason why Derek, I think, struggles in these games is his team's not good enough. So Derek could have been quarterbacking yesterday the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, the Denver Broncos, whoever he was quarterbacking yesterday. He was going to get beat. Kansas City was going to throttle, throttle this Raider defense. We know that now. I didn't know that last week in preparation, and neither did the national media. There was a lot of national media who was saying, you know something, the Raiders are in a pretty good spot here. They got them at home for first place. Their defense has improved. You know, they're trying to get some players back healthy, and this team could win this game. And that's fair analysis. There wasn't anybody on the national side saying the Raiders were going to get blown out. I watched it all. They didn't. Now we're all going to say that going forward, period. And that's what happens here. One more point. The organization must figure out what they're going to do with Josh Jacobs. We're at that point now with Josh Jacobs. He's good for 30 yards a game. He's good for about 30 yards every game. That's it. They can't keep him on the field. He can't pick up extra yards after getting hit. He's pretty good from five to seven yards. There's nothing 14, 20, 30, 50, where every team seems to have a running back who does that. Josh Jacobs is a good player. He's not elite. And we all thought he was going to be elite, really elite. So they got to figure out what they're going to do with him. More notes. Marcus Mariota, what do you want to do with him? There were times in that game, if you're going to bring in Marcus Mariota on third and one, my friends who sit in the 400 section know what he's going to do. Okay, so if you're going to bring him in on third and fourth and one and think that no one knows what he's going to do, I mean, it's not even fair to Marcus. Everybody knows what they're going to do. They're going to stuff the box. They're going to make sure that they could start him, stop him on a quarterback sneak or an RPO going to the right. That's what they're going to do. So if Marcus is going to get in the game, I would get him in the game on a first down, on a second down. I would have him in the game at different points where at least the defensive coordinator on the other team goes, whoa, 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 wait a second. Why is he in on this play? Because if you're going to bring him in when it's obvious, anybody can stop that. And then the last one is the effort, the effort late in the game. They were beaten and battered at the end of the game. At the end of the game, I think there should have been some guys pulled off the field who just weren't into it. I mean, they just weren't, they didn't look like they had any fight left. It looked like a puncher, a boxer who was just down 11 rounds to none in a 12-round fight. Get him out and let one of the new kids in there and play. Get someone else some experience if no one can guard on the back end. And, you know, everybody's getting behind everybody. And it looks, the body language was pretty bad at the end of the game, which 
Kansas City because I was sitting behind Brett Musburger in the fourth quarter, and they kept showing the Kansas City sideline and, you know, the Honey Badgers laughing. Tyreek Hill's got their helmet off. They're giggling and laughing, and that's all on NBC for the whole country to see. So that was a bad look. So, again, if I had a pile, you know, a, a tank of gasoline to just throw it on that tape and say, hey, just blow it up, go on to the next game, you can't because it's Kansas City. It really shows the deficiencies on the roster, on the roster to Kansas City, which is supposed to be a lot of guys were brought in in the last two draft classes to try to do that. Henry Ruggs third was supposed to be the next Tyreek Hill. We never saw what happened there in that tragedy. Damon Arnett was supposed to be a guy that could play in the slot, could pick up Tyreek Hill, run with him, young guy, first-round pick. He's gone. Okay, and then you bring in Trayvon Merrick. I like him a lot. I think he, he got thrown into the fire in his first Chiefs game. Uh, John Abram, as I told, told you, I don't think he can play in this matchup. He can play against the Bengals. Play him against the Broncos all you want. Just get him off the field for Kansas City. He, he, is, he is so spun out. I got the stats here on how they targeted him. Whoa! Wow, you think that's going to stop? You think the Raiders are going to sit him down for the week leading up to the next game and it's going to get fixed? That's not like, oh, we'll give him more reps against Kansas City and it's going to get better. No, no, that's like, get him off the field. Get him off the field and bring in somebody else who can do it. And then as I tweeted out uh, before the game, where are the linebackers? Where are the linebackers for this team? Where is Littleton? Who are the linebackers? Who are these guys? And I, I love the way Yannick and Max played. I think they're so ferocious off the edge. That gives me good encouragement for this Joe Burrow game coming up. I think that Yannick and Max are going to have two big games coming up against Cincinnati. And again, after today, and even today, you're going to hear me all in on Kansas City. Because if you told me before the start of the season with what's happened here now, six and four after 10 games, all day long. I never thought seven and three, eight and two, never, never. Six and four, that's okay. Six and four with Washington, Denver again, the Chargers at home. You know, you look at those games and you go, hey, can they get hot again? They should be able to get hot again. Waller, Renfro, Edwards played well. Deshaun Jackson, I'll get to the fumble. That was just a fluke. He never fumbles the ball, never, since 2010. So it's been over a decade. He loses a fumble. And then Derek Carr, who came out of the game healthy. So with all the weapons that are still there, and Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby and Perryman and a couple of the guys that they have, and hopefully guys coming back, then I think the Bengal game becomes the must win. See, the Bengals now become the word I hate to use, must win. How would I say must win yesterday with Jim Plunkett next to me when the Raiders are 5-3? and three? In first place because the Chargers lost before the start of the game. I'd look like an idiot if I said must win. They're in first place before kickoff. Now it's a must win. Now Cincinnati becomes a ferocious battle for survival. And maybe that's what they need. Huh? Maybe that's what they need. Let's get going. Chris in West Oakland starts us off. How are you, Chris? Oh, still reeling from last night, man. I, I Look, you hit it right on the head about, number one, this game was lost up front. Uh, I think that 30, 50 times Patrick Mahomes threw last night, he was only touched three times. Carr was under duress all night long. Real quick on the offensive side of the ball, and a lot of it comes down to some of the personnel decisions. This, I 
this team has made. I said at the beginning of the year, they remade the strength of the team last year, the offensive line. I know Trent Brown needed to go, but I do not give a pass to getting rid. I don't care if Rodney Hudson or Gabe Jackson wanted out. They were under contract. They were professional. I would not have gotten rid of those two guys, replaced them with two unknowns uh, just because they wanted out. I think that was a horrible mistake, and it's coming back. I was on the record three years ago saying Josh Jacobs is just good. They keep running him like he's Earl Campbell when you've got Kenyon Drake, who clearly is a better option at this point. I don't think either are great, but they should be a two-headed monster. I'm listening to him last night. The Raiders need to get Josh Jacobs going. Why? He's not Marcus Allen or Bo Jackson. He's a solid running back, nothing else. But I want to hit over the defensive side of the ball, JT. And it's been I, – I predicted a 31-28 Raider win, but what did I say on Friday? They need two to three interceptions. This has been this team's Achilles heel going back to when they went to the Super Bowl when they had guys like Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, Eric Turner before that, um, the great Eric Allen. Playmakers. You can talk all you want about Gus Bradley's scheme. The Raiders don't have playmakers that catch the ball in the secondary. Four plays last night, JT. Casey Hayward, 17-14 after the first drive of the second half. He should have made that pick and walked into the end zone. It's a brand-new ball game. He drops the ball. They score. That's a 14-point swing. I don't have a problem with Deshaun Jackson's fumble. My problem is, what was he thinking? Turn and run to the end zone. You walk in. It's a touchdown. That's another seven points that they didn't get. Trayvon Merrick drops the ball right in his hands. Once again, Jonathan Abram, just like a week ago, perfect position, but is clueless when the football is in the air. Four plays are 24 to 28 points in that game, JT. Mahomes gave the Raiders chances. But for years and years and years, they keep drafting and getting the same type of guys in the secondary, guys that can't catch the football. Simply making two interceptions last night, JT, and it's a completely different football game. And going forward, I don't care what Gus Bradley's scheme is. Players and playmakers win games, not coaches and schemes, and the Raiders are woefully deficient in that department, and I don't see it getting any better until they change their philosophy and quit trying to get Jack Tatum and go after the Rod Woodson types. Even Jack Tatum had 32 career interceptions. Jonathan Abram won't get that if he plays 30 years. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later in the week. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Uh, Again, Chris always talks about about catching the football. Catching the football when you're on defense is really important. When you're on when you're on defense, it's really important when you have an interception handed to you, handed to you, you've got to catch it. You've got to catch the ball. And you have to make sure that you're a ball hawk, you do your job, and the Raiders really struggle with that. And look, I can't I can't make them catch the ball. I can't make them catch the ball when it hits it in their hands. I can't. They have to do that. And Chris is right. When was the last time there was a ball hawk here that could just go up? I was hoping it was going to be Trayvon Mullen. I really thought Trayvon Mullen was going to be that player. And obviously it was a reach pick to get Arnett. Arnett's pick was a mistake. And that's where they're at. They, they need guys who can catch the football. That's one of the reasons why they made a good move by bringing in Trayvon Merrick. I think that, you know, Trayvon Merrick didn't catch that one. That was that was a ball that hit him in the hands, but it was like a collision. There were three guys on the ball. He should have caught it. He had a grip on it. It looked like he was going to get it, and it came out, and that's unfortunate. But they have to do a better job, as Chris said, doing that. They have to 
do a better job uh, going forward with that. Uh, let's get out to Big Al in Miami on the Raider flagship. Big Al, go ahead. You know, watching the game last night made me realize that with the events of the last two weeks probably have set this franchise back you know, two years. Um, when you have two number one draft picks and they both don't pan out for reasons over and above whatever they could have possibly done on the football field, really sets you back. We've seen this in other sports, you know, in other circumstances, you know, particularly Boston with Lem Bias, different circumstances, same results. It took the Celtics five years to figure out how to get, you know, how to be able to start to, you know, to get their mojo back. And watching the game last night, you know, I was sitting there watching it and realizing that uh, Kansas City only had to cover, you know, basically, you know, one third of the, of the football field in the secondary because they could play a, a, you know, a, safety, a single safety high and they didn't have to account for speed uh, is a devastating thing to an offense that has really been, you know, that was draft, that drafted and built for speed. And they're going to have to go, I think the whole league knows that when they go to the draft board next year, that their first draft pick is going to have to be a speedster. And that's a shame because it sets us back to at least, you know, yeah. it sets us back a couple of years. Yeah, thanks, Big Al. Enjoy Miami. Thanks for calling in on the road. You know, they drafted rugs. They had that all they had that all solved. They had their fast guy on the edge who had to demand the double team and was a playmaker deep downfield and he's going to jail. So that's it. They had the guy. They had the guy who was coming into his own. He was really having a good year before the personal tragedy and what happened. So with all that happening, they have to go out and bring in a guy like Deshaun Jackson. I thought Deshaun Jackson was gonna play more, but he made a really nice catch and it was very uncharacteristic what he did after that. I don't understand what he was doing there. He's going to have to explain it a little bit better, but he doesn't fumble. That's not a guy you look at and say, oh, my God, every time you catch it, we're, we're, we're cringing, you're going to fumble. He's had a really good career at holding on to the football. It was just unfortunate that that happened on his first ever reception. Passionate Raider in Illinois, go ahead. What's up, JT, man? Guys, it's been a long day, man. Just listen to the radio all day at work. Listen to everyone's comments. Listen to everyone's views. Everyone's this. Everyone's that. Oh, we're five and four. We still got a season. No, it doesn't matter if we're five and four. We've been here before. For all that. This isn't nothing new. This is what happens. November comes around and we fall apart. But everything I wanted to hit on today, JT, you, you beat me to the punch, man. So that just goes to show we're all seeing the same thing, man. I mean, look at what the special teams – Look what the special teams did to Rich Versace last night. Don't think that everything the Chiefs did last night was disrespectful shots to the Raiders, man, because they cannot stand us, and they did some disrespectful stuff to us in our home last night, and we allowed it to happen. That's one thing about this game, that this just, just, just wasn't another Raiders loss. This was a... A butt whooping at home for first place in the division in November, a big game again, and who didn't show up? I don't care if they say this, that, this, that. Derek Carr did not show up. The defense did not show up. Derek Carr didn't even get field goal range last night. We didn't even get the chance to kick a field goal. If we wouldn't have got that PI down there, we might not even have scored that first touchdown. If they didn't muff that, if they didn't fumble that freaking that, that punt, we might not even have got the ball back. JT, the list goes on. Drafted players. I'm watching this team last night play against the Kansas City Chiefs. We are not manning up with the Chiefs on defense to their offense at all. We got a guy get hurt last night. 35 goes out. Number 10 comes in. He don't know what the hell he's doing. He's looking around asking, what, what, what? Some three plays 
Burrow, and I knew Mahomes was going to go right at him. He did. Boom, 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 scored a touchdown on him. Hmm. Then, and it just goes back to all of our picks, JT. The picks from the past four years since John Gruden has come to the Raiders and Mike Mayock have been together, their picks have panned out to nothing. Josh Jacobs and John Abrams, every single one of them. I don't care if they're out there playing. It doesn't – they're not winning with what's going on, man. It ain't happening. Carr's attitude was straight crap last night, sitting on the bench by himself. How is that supposed to motivate a team to play, man? This whole team right now is a dismay, dysfunctional, hot garbage mess. It starts from the head down. Carr, the best thing they can do for Derek Carr, JT, is trade him to a team that will use him for him because he's wasting his life in the NFL because it ain't going to happen with the Raiders. They don't move to Vegas. It's not happening. Derek Carr might be better on the Browns. He might be better somewhere else. And, and look, another thing I want to say, JT, real quick. When you're playing football in the middle of the season, practice, practice, these guys, this defense is going against Derek Carr all week long, and they come out in the middle, and look what they do. They ain't going against no competition in practice. Derek Carr has a four-play a four progress in his head. He can run four plays, and once you lock those four plays down, it's over with from November to December, man. It's not going to change, JT. It's insanity to think it's going to change because it's not, and the numbers prove it. So until they prove me wrong, have a good day, JT. Well, hopefully they prove you wrong. They got to try to prove them wrong and prove the critics wrong, even the Raider fans who are bailing. They got to get going. They got to beat Cincinnati, a team that, you know, has beaten a couple of teams that have a, a above 500 record. They've kind of been like the Raiders, Cincinnati. A couple of good games, a couple of no-shows. How good was it to see the Chargers lose at home? That helped. You know, you looked at what happened yesterday coming into that game. The stars were aligned. Stars were aligned. And the Raiders once again got off to another really slow start at home. Hey, tonight I'll be at Doghouse Saloon inside Resorts World. I'm there for Monday Night Football. This is one of the games I'll be there. That's our newest property here in Vegas on the Strip. There's not a bad seat in Doghouse to watch the game, plus a sports book right there so you can place your bets. Incredible food and drink specials. Again, you need a reason to go to Resorts World. Come out for Monday Night Football. Get a chance to see it. You park in the garage. You come right down the elevator, and boom, it's Doghouse. Well, if you go in through the back valet, you'll love it. I'm telling you. And then you could take a break and walk around and see Resorts World. Go to the lobbies of all three hotels. It'll blow you away. All the new restaurants, all the new bars, the gaming attractions. It's the most expensive property in the history of Vegas for a reason. It is sharp. It's the place you want to be. And Doghouse Saloon is as nice as any sports venue in the world. In the world. But you got to come down and see it to believe it. We'll have good prizes to give away. They have good swag. Uh, They give good good gifts out of this. Great raffle prizes. Join me tonight, 4.30 at Doghouse. Yeah, again, you know, third down woes today, and then certainly in the first half, just not enough plays, you know, to get ourselves going, and then we just didn't do a very good job in third down. We played from behind most of the game, you know, put ourselves in position um, with some of the penalties to go from some third and fives and third and sixes to third and longs, so um, we have to clean that up. Raiders really struggle with penalties, third down. I mean, the stats are overwhelming in favor of Kansas City. 
JT back with you. Uh, brought to you by Five Iron Golf. Uh, check it out inside Area 15. Brought buddies there this weekend. Played golf. Had a great time. Food, drinks. It's unbelievable. The best place in town to hit golf balls. Get fitted for clubs. Do everything you want. It's fantastic. Our friends at Area 15. Also coming back as we played Sting. I want to thank my good friend Jason Gasworth, the president of entertainment at Caesars Entertainment. What a concert, seeing Sting. Oh, my God. It was like sitting in his living room. It was like sitting in his living room. That's the theater there where Celine, Rod Stewart, seen unbelievable shows there, Elton John. There's nothing like it. The Coliseum at Caesars, the service, you're sitting in a professional studio. And Sting's library was incredible. And the songs he played, I've never been to a concert in my life that sounded so dialed in. So, again, thanks again for a great night out with my friends and my wife. As we continue, Mr. Black in Honolulu, you're up next. What's happening? JT. What's happening? Yeah, I have to, uh, I got to agree with you on, on everything you said. Uh, we're not playing at, at, at a fast pace, you know, what, uh, going up to the line with hardly any. Uh, uh, no sense of urgency. No sense of no urgency, sense urgency on offense what, to run more plays. Hurry up. Yeah, hurry up offense. I mean, come on. Uh, let's do the trick plays. Let's do, uh, you know, uh, definitely a hurry-up offense, catch the defense off, off sides. Uh, and, of course, our defense, uh, our linebackers are, are useless. You need the linebackers that are, are, that are fast, that can carry, that can cover uh, uh, the tight end. But on one defense of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, Max, Max Crosby, I watched the thing online. Right. They took these frame-by-frames. Uh, of him going up against the third string uh, offensive line of the guy he he was with in college, Wiley. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was five uh, photo, you know, uh, snapshots, five of them where it was just an, an incredible, obvious holding. So mm-hmm. you know we don't, you know we're Raiders. We <laughs> we don't get the the holding calls as we should. So you know that's one defense and. But I can't defend the rest of our our uh, mm-hmm. defense. It just uh, we don't play fast. We don't play with urgency. And uh, you know, been a Raider fan. I'm 63. I've been a Raider fan since uh, near the beginning, and uh, it's just rough. But uh, anyways, aloha to you, brother. Eight oh eight. Raiders are big here in the eight oh eight. And push ahead. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Hope to see you out here for a game. The the ability to run faster plays with the offense is something I'm just surprised they don't do. Now, it's risk-reward. What happens is if you go three and out and you run a no-huddle and you only spend about 45 seconds and you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, good luck. So there's a lot of risk-reward. But I think the Raiders huddle way too much. I mean, what's he, why have Carr? He's a veteran, great at the line of scrimmage. That's his asset. His asset is that he is really good up-tempo. So where's the up-tempo? Isn't there a sense of urgency with the schedule now and who's on the schedule to play with a sense of urgency on offense? Why is this team huddling up? Why? If if I thought the huddling up would help them, I'd say huddle up. Do what you got to do. Slow the game down. Eat the clock. Eat the clock. What? Run out there and get more possessions. You see the possessions again in this game. The Chiefs ran 76 plays to the Raiders, 51. The Raiders were one of nine on third down. I mean, that's, that's, it's awful, awful what they were doing in that scenario. 
and Kansas City was just better. So I play with more of a sense of urgency, and I play much faster. Bill in Henderson on the Raider flagship. What's going on, Bill? Hey, JT. Yeah, you're right on with everything, you know, especially the, the Mariota thing. You know, what I noticed last night, a couple of my observations, you know, we had a couple of bad breaks with the interceptions that were dropped. And Jackson, instead of going down after he caught the ball, he tried to run in for a touchdown. He got it punched out. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened on that one. You know, Jacobs is never going to get big money with the Raiders. Never. And, but you know, the fellow before the linebackers, Littleton sticks. I mean, he can't cover Kelsey for anything. No, he can't. You know, and, and where was Rich and his special teams people on that fake punt? You know, where they, they threw the, you know, the, the first down. You know, I, I, oh, that's why it's a fake punt. You don't expect it at that point in time in that field, but you weren't expecting it again. Hunter Renfro had an unbelievable play this year. We stopped the fake punt against the Chargers with that hit, and they did an unbelievable job on that play, and it wasn't the case here. And yeah. you, you got to really be looking for that, and Kansas City knew the Raiders weren't looking at it, and they took a shot when the Raiders didn't expect it to come. Tip your cap to Kansas City. That was a great play call. Yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, telling my son the other night, I said, you know, this is the collapse. This is it. I mean, it, it seems like every time we have a break and then we go to the East Coast, we're done. I mean, for the, the rest of the year. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're done. Look, if you guys want to do that, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to say a five and four team is done with Cincinnati coming in at home, one game out of first. I mean, this this we're done stuff. You know, you got another eight weeks to say we're done or six weeks after this or five weeks. For me, that's about 70 radio shows. Okay, I'm not asking you to put yourself in my situation. I'm a big boy. I can handle this. But again, you think with, you know, six, seven, eight weeks, so seven weeks, okay, times five radio shows, all right, plus the five I do at night, I got a life to live. I'm not coming in every day here negative and saying it's over. I'm not doing it. That's not what I get paid to do. I like to be optimistic about this team and what they can do. And hopefully this, the, the wake-up call's over. They got the wake-up call. The wake-up call happened under very adverse circumstances due to Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett. Okay, Henry Ruggs was much more serious. A lot of people out at the Black Hole tailgate were telling me about all of our donations to Tina Tintor and the family there, which was really important for me to hear as I was going from tailgate to tailgate. So the Raiders have been through a lot of tragedy, but nothing more than Tina's family. Okay, I try to put that in perspective on this show. And it's a part of what's happening with the football team, clearly. I just don't know how much. I'm fascinated how many people come up to me, and I understand why. And they come up to me and they ask me, how's the team handling this? And it's the same answer I give to everyone from the parking lot to the nice lady who sits next to me at the game. I go, I have no idea. I have no idea how every player and coach is handling this. They're all handling it differently. They're all human beings. Some are taking it much harder. Some were friends with Henry, more so. And people are spun out right now because of what happened. I can't answer that question. But the special teams play and what's happening there, you got to expect something from Kansas City. Mahomes has thrown for 308 yards and a fake punt. First down. They throw it to the left side and they burn the special teams of the Raiders. Marcus Kemp caught it. And it was thrown by the punter, Tommy Townsend. Yeah, Townsend to throw that, threw a bullet. And first down. And the Raiders got to sit there on the sidelines again. We're recapping the game. Mark Anderson from the Review Journal joins us. 
I've reached out to Rod Woodson. He called the game last night. Maybe he checks in. And then who else do we have, Bobby? Oh, Harry Ruiz is coming in studio, the Latino voice of the Raiders. He comes in on Mondays and sits in with me. So we'll talk to him. On a Monday where the Raiders got dominated 41-14, to as you let it vent, we call it the aftermath on the flagship of the Raiders. We don't have a choice, you know. We really don't have a choice. You just go, you know. Um, you know, whether we won this game or lost this game, literally I'd stand right here and, you know, we have to go to the next one. You know, it doesn't – that doesn't change in the NFL. And uh, we had two weeks here um, where it wasn't our best football as a team. And, um, you know, we have to bounce back against a good team coming in here. And, uh, you know, I look forward to the chat. Yeah, Cincinnati going to be deeply rested coming into this game. And the Raiders – We'll find out more on the injury front coming up later today. JT, back with you, 702-365-9200 as we keep going here. Just get your analysis after a loss. We do this every Monday, win or lose. Uh, We try. I don't do scorecards and all that stuff. This this was a bad loss. 41-14 on Sunday Night Football, the biggest game ever played in Vegas, biggest football game ever played in the state. And the Raiders got dominated. Didn't see that coming. Thought it would be a much better game. Disappointing it wasn't. Raider 914 checking in in New York. Ahead. JT, um, I'm sick to my stomach today. Um, you just you just nailed it. This is the biggest game um, up to date. And, and what's, what's scary is how unprepared we looked last night. This is like, you know, if we think we're going to ever make uh, any noise in the playoffs, we better start. We better start reevaluating what we're even doing. Um, last night, we had guys jumping off sides and and false starts, and 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 it's like, what are we doing? How how do you let the Chiefs come in here on a day when we're honoring one of our alums, and and we let them dominate our uh, us in our own house? We where where's the we should have had foam coming out of our mouth. We should have been fired up. We should have been running around ready to commit murder on the field. I don't understand how un- how could we be so unprepared? Yes. How how were guys open? How were guys open every play? Last year we couldn't wait for Paul Gunther to to leave, right? Mm-hmm. But I, guess what happened? That first game that we played against the Chiefs, I remember the next day thinking. What, what was that? Paul Gunther's God. Whatever scene yeah. he came up with last night with the spy. Remember, Arnie, I think Arnie Key was playing spy, and, and he was jumping yeah. around on the line, and he wasn't allowing Patrick Mahomes to, to, to get out of the pocket. What, what were, did we not watch? I, I'll get you the answer right now. Hall of Famer Rod Woodson was part of the pregame ceremony. He was also on the broadcast call last night, kind enough to join us for a few minutes. And, Rod, appreciate you doing this. We said we'd talk about this from a defensive perspective. Gus Bradley, the scheme. Why did the Raiders get blasted so badly by Kansas City? You know, it's it's not an easy answer. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, Gus has played when he was a, a coordinator in, in, with the Chargers. I mean, he played Kansas City extremely well. They won multiple games against him. Um, and they were always close games. 
the hard thing when I, you know, and I said it last night on air, is that, you know, if he, if he didn't play a two-high shell and if he was going to play his single-high defense like he normally does, it was going to be predicated on them getting pressure with the front four, and it didn't happen. Um, they played well for the first half of the game, but then once that second half hit, and one thing I, I think we all saw that Patrick Mahomes was very patient last night. He used Travis Kelsey. They used Travis Kelsey more in this, this game than they had in the last several games combined. Uh, he was like their mainstay. If they were going to go and, and put a two-shell, then Travis Kelsey was going to beat the underneath coverage throughout the, throughout the game, which he did until he kind of got banged up in that one play. And I, he still had one more catch, which is a critical, a critical catch for a big uh, third, uh, first down uh, late in the game. I think it was like almost a, like a 30-yarder. So it's not one thing, but it was a multiple two to things. And then on the back end, when you start playing that single high defense, all you have to do is flood a coverage or flood a zone. And once you flood the zone, somebody's going to be open. Um, and then they, if you remember, they hit multiple like RPO reads. You know, every time they put the ball in the belly of the running back, the linebacker stepped up. Remember that first touchdown that Tyreek Hill had mm-hmm. in the end zone? There was nobody covering him. And then you go with the uh, gray, the tight end. They did the RPO, kind of a little pop pass. He was covered. It was a great catch. And then the last play with Pringle, I, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what the corner was doing in that side. I mean, he's outside one-third. He just let Pringle run right by him, and he tossed it over his head. So multiple things. Uh, this is a better defense. They just met the great version of the Kansas City Chiefs offense that we've seen the last couple years. Rod Woodson's our guest. Josh Dubow of the AP tweeted out, Jonathan Abram was targeted nine times last night. He allowed nine catches for 127 yards and two touchdowns. Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus tweeted, on the other hand, there's no rule that says Abram has to be on the field. Benjamin plays someone else that can play a deep half without being mossed by every backup running back. And I said this in my opening monologue, Rod, if John Abram can't play in this matchup, I know he can play against Cincinnati, maybe the Giants and others, but he just can't be on the field against this matchup. He cannot see the ball. He cannot catch up to the ball. He gets exposed every time they attack him. That's a big problem for me with the Raiders going forward. Yeah, I mean, they did a, they have done a great job with Jonathan Abram this year. They most, most for the most part, he's played in the box, and he's done a tremendous job of kind of settling down with his emotions and and you know he's a he's a tackling machine. Um, is he you know is he the best cover guy? No, not right now. He's not. Um, you know, I've seen multiple guys get mossed like that by Daryl Williams. Because what DBs do normally is that they're fading back. And when the receiver sees the ball, they go attack it. And you try to teach DBs when the ball's being thrown, you got to stop going backwards if you're, if you're facing that way and get vertical and attack the football. Well, Darrell Williams, he attacked the ball. Jonathan Abram jumped back when he waiting for the ball to get to him. And Darrell Williams, caught the, he caught the touchdown pass. Um, and, but you got to remember that ball was just thrown up in the air. Yeah. I mean, that was like a 50, 50 ball. 
So I'm not going to say that John Abrams shouldn't be on the field. I think he's a really good player. I think he's played really good football. I just think they they got into a you know they 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 found a buzzsaw with Kansas City's offense, and you know and really if you think about outside of that first drive in the second half, that offense really didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So my question is, where are we going with the offense? Because you know. When Derek Carr's playing well, when he's throwing for over 300 yards, they're winning football games. When he's not, they're not. Wrapping it up with Hall of Famer Rod Woodson, who had his gold jacket Friday night at Charles Woodson's private event, and he was honored also on the field on Sunday. Rod, that's what I want to talk about, the last one, the offense here. Why no up-tempo? I mean, you, you get this. You're one of the greatest defenders of all time. When you let Kansas City, that has an average defense at best, when you let them set their defense and you're not running up to the ball and running a little bit of no huddle early in the game and trying to get them out of their rhythm there, why is that? Why do the Raiders take so much time in the huddle when they got a guy in Derek Carr that could get up the ball and really be that solid, one of the better ones, pre-snap? Yeah, I don't know. You know, you know I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the meeting rooms. Now, I don't know if Derek, uh, if he wants to be in a no huddle. Uh, if he does, it, it's because when you go no huddle, the one thing that does do to all defensive coordinators, for whatever odd reason, which I don't agree with, but they just they slim down their play calling sheet. When people go no huddle and two minute on them, they very rarely blitz. They play very basic defenses because they're on their heels and they're tired and. You know, I don't know if, if, you know, Derek Carr is not is uncomfortable being in a two-minute situation like that on the kiss of base on a hurry-up offense. I know when I was there coaching, he, he enjoyed it. So I, I would think that would be a coaching staff decision that they're not in that no-huddle look. Um, you know, but then also, you know, you know, Derek has to take care of the football, and I think he knows that. You know, you can't throw up two shots like he did. Uh, you you got to allow your team to punt the ball. Uh, he made those mistakes, and it cost them. They, I mean, they, they capitalized on both of those things. And, you know, they didn't play their best game, and that was the best game that the Kansas City Chiefs have played so far in 2021. Rod, could you leave us with one Woodson story, maybe something in public or private when you were with Charles with all the other gold jackets that were there either Friday or especially Sunday pregame and how great that ceremony was? Well, the ceremony's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he was blown away, but – more so than anything, I just want to share like how much he grew. Like when I first met him, I met him as a third-year player when I came over to the Raiders to finish my career. And then I got to come back as a coach. And then he got to come back his second stint with the Raiders uh, after he was in Green Bay. And I just saw the maturity with him and how much of a leader he became and how galvanizing he was as a player uh, and how he moved from that corner position to the nickel position to the safety position, and he still was making plays, uh, you know, 18 years later. So, uh, you know, the guy uh, is just one of those guys that's going to be – it's very rare that you find those type of players in the National Football League that can, first of all, play that long, and secondly, win the Heisman as a defensive player. He comes into the league, and he's now a Hall of Famer. I think there's only 10 of those guys who ever do that. Uh, that's ever played pro ball. So that's that's pretty amazing. Thanks, Rod. Good to see you. I'll see you soon. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. All right, JT. You got it. Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer. He was on, on the call last night on the radio national call. Nice that he made some time for us today.
as we're over the top of the hour, we'll come back. Harry Ruiz, the Latino play-by-play voice of the Raiders, will join us in studio. Mark Anderson, a little bit later on this hour, and we're going to reset your phone calls on the Raider loss. 702-365-9200. We are brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I ever had. Five locations here in the Valley. Get the Brooklyn Bridge pizza. You'll thank me for it. 